So um, we're doing this simile of the cloth sutta, and according to the teachings, the way they're articulated there, once a person realizes that they're on the path, um, that is realizing that they have released some of these unwholesome states in part, then they experience faith and joy and some settling of the mind how the sutta articulates it. And then after that, once they've kind of oriented in that way, they cultivate the heart qualities. And so each evening this week, um, we'll have a guided meditation and some short reflections and a time for questions. And in fact, I'm expecting and hoping that you'll have questions because I'm not really planning to talk for all that long. So there will be um, plenty of space for that. And then today's topic is metta, which you've already started with Karen this morning. And I hope it was um, a nice part of your day today. Uh, This is really considered, metta is really considered the um, foundational heart quality in the Theravada tradition, cultivating a mind of, basic mind of goodwill and kindness. From there, all the other heart qualities evolve and eventually some kind of wisdom evolves also, as we'll see. So um, I want to talk a little bit about um, metta practice because we're going to do a slightly different form tonight than you might have done before. There are a number of ways, actually, to do metta practice in the Theravada tradition. It's an area where maybe we could even say there could be some creativity in how we engage with it. I'll say that with a little bit of hesitation because there is nonetheless kind of some range <laughs> within the which the creativity can happen, but nonetheless, there's not there's definitely not just one way to do this. So one one way that we may have practiced with um, is to say phrases that are directed at particular beings, you know, phrases of connection and goodwill and heart opening, and this is. A wonderful method because it integrates um, several different parts of our being essentially so we're using our linguistic our verbal mind to come up with the phrases and we're also connecting to the emotion um, that's happening at the same time and um, sometimes uh, people even feel the effect of the phrases in their body while they're saying them. So that's um, using a lot of different aspects of the heart and mind. So it ends up um, spreading the metta throughout our being. So I love that kind of practice. Um, And then another way to do metta is uh, what's called radiation practice, radiating. And this is a little bit more body-centered. It's a little bit more grounded in the body as the primary part. And it also doesn't relate the metta to particular beings um, that you're directing it at or thinking of, but it's more like it cultivates metta as a state of being, a state of the heart, if you will. And it happens that that is how um, it's talked about in the simile of the cloth sutta, this radiating method. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, We'll get a chance to explore it. Even there, there's more than one way to do it, but um, that's, uh, we'll do what we do this evening. So um, with that, why don't we go ahead and and do the meditation? So finding a, a posture for meditation. 
settling into your spot and feeling just internally the sensation of the body sitting. If it's comfortable to do so, you can close your eyes. Paying a little bit of attention to the posture, so you can um, maybe rock back and forth, forward and back slightly, just to be centered, really centered and upright. Feeling the place where you're sitting and feeling the stability of that. Perhaps connecting in with your seat against the cushion and your legs or feet against the floor. And then deliberately softening the eyes in the eye sockets. Softening the face, the jaw. Even inside the head, imagining that you can release the thinking muscle. Down through the throat area. into the collarbones and the shoulders. It's very supportive for heart practices to have some degree of ease in the body. So inviting ease down the arms. And into the chest area. Noting that spot between the shoulder blades with a little strength to it so the heart can feel open. And just checking in to the heart area. However it is, is fine, but just knowing the general state of the heart. If it feels soft or tense, large or small, that's all fine. Inviting E ease down through the belly area. If we've had interactions lately for our work or with our people in our house, there might be a little tension there. So just allowing that to soften, 
expand. Down into the hip joints. Sinking a little farther into the place where you're sitting. Inviting any ease and letting go of bracing in the legs all the way down to the feet. from the sutta. It's a long sentence that describes uh, this radiating practice and then we'll go through the steps ourselves. So it says, one abides pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving-kindness, likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above, below, around, and everywhere, and to all as to oneself, one abides pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving-kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. So just resting in the sense of the body. The body as a centered focus for your being. You can even imagine your body as the center of the universe. Just bringing to mind some kind of image or um, phrase even, just to spark some sense of metta. So, for example, you can imagine um, your pet. Animals are great for metta your dog or your cat, or a, a bird that you see in your yard frequently, or a child or a baby. Something where it's easy to just feel simple goodwill, kindness, friendliness, openness. And as you bring that to mind, feel that in the body, especially in the heart area, whatever kind of metta, that feeling of metta, that image or thought evokes. 
And maybe breathe in and out. You can imagine breathing in and out through the front of the chest. Or if that's not quite right, you can imagine the breath coming down through the nasal passages and just flowing around the heart and the lungs. So we have the breath connected to the heart. Just to have that sense of metta really grounded in the body. And you can imagine further that the metta is a, a light, like your heart is a lantern or a lamp. It has kind of a glow to it based on your initial sparking of the metta. Maybe it gets a little brighter on the inhale and spreads a bit on the out breath, shining. You don't have to be complicated, just a simple image of a light in the middle of the body. feels clear in your mind, you can just turn the attention fully to the sensation and the feeling of metta in the heart area. You don't need the image or the phrase anymore. Feeling that in the heart, shining. Maybe it softens the body in the places where the light is shining a little further, easing and softening of the shoulders, the belly, because of that warm light in the heart. further that there might be still a little bit of blocking of our shining light. We can imagine that maybe there's a, a curtain or a thin veil but still it's there in front of us. And so we imagine pulling aside in front of us, pulling aside a little curtain and then the light can shine farther. It's now unencumbered in the forward direction, shining out from the heart. It doesn't have to go a really long way. It might even go only a short way. Lights don't worry about how far they go, they just shine. Unbounded just means you didn't put any boundary on it, so it's not blocked. 
just however far it can go. And then we can swing the curtain a little farther around and to the right side we pull aside a curtain so that the light is shining unencumbered to the front and to the right extending freely into space Same behind us, we pull aside a curtain to the back. We feel the light shine out of our back. And around to the left side, drawing aside the curtain. So the light is shining unencumbered in all the four directions around us, all four quarters. Just gently, easily, lamps don't push out their light. There's no need to push it, it'll just shine. also above us, up into the sky, and down below. Metta isn't encumbered by the floor or the earth, it just shines through such things. So we have the sense of goodwill, friendliness, shining like a lamp from our heart in all directions. If it helps, you can imagine that you're suspended in space like a star shining. Whether it's a little light or a big one, doesn't matter. Just feeling the metta and that sense of shining. can find some rest, just resting in the shining. And it's natural that the mind may wander a little bit. And if we notice that, it's no problem. We just start again, sparking the metta. If it's been only a short time, 
it'll just start right up. If it's been a longer time, you can imagine the curtain being opened again.
Remembering that metta is an easeful, peaceful practice, so there's no need to push or make it harder than it is. Other mind states may come up, of course, but the intention behind the metta remains simple, easeful. Sometime in the next few breaths, beginning to ease off on the radiation, just allowing it to gently fade naturally. Just coming into a state of resting, just natural mindfulness, perhaps connecting with the breath or the body or something more open, and just being with the flow of experience, changing, shifting, as we rest in that flow. Letting go. Letting go.
Okay, so <clears throat> just gently coming back into the room. You can just um, keep resting with the heart if you would like. Um, so I want to say just a little bit about about metta and I have a couple different angles to bring on it. So in terms of practice, uh, metta has a lot of benefits in terms of how it affects the mind. And we're talking about heart and mind together on this retreat and it even affects the body also. Um, it's kind of a unifier and integrator of, and brings benefit to the whole system. So there's a sutta that talks about um, the benefits of metta and it's um, fairly straightforward. It says, the Buddha says directly, practitioners you can expect 11 benefits when the heart's release by love has been cultivated, developed, and practiced, made a vehicle and a basis, kept up, consolidated, and properly implemented. So we don't need to get caught up in those details, but it's implying that, um, you know, when we really um, commit to this kind of practice for a while, uh, it says that things, good things will start happening. And I, I'll um, go through them. So the first three, interestingly, are related to sleep. So if anybody is uh, challenged by sleep, uh, you can take note. So the first three are, you sleep at ease, you wake happily, and you don't have bad dreams. I find that pretty interesting that the Buddha articulated this 2,500 years ago. Um, you know, I don't know that there have been any scientific studies about this. Maybe there have. Um, but who needs the scientific studies? You could just do it and see for yourself uh, if it has effects like this. Um, I can certainly attest that um, uh, metta affects uh, the going to sleep process. I often do metta in bed, um, right when I get in bed, uh, before I sleep. It's so easy, just lying there. Um, you can even do some nice radiation practice through the body, or say phrases, but you know, when I'm going to sleep I'd rather just do the radiation. And it, um, it does uh, relax the body, I think, more than when I don't do that, when I just lie down and aim towards sleep. So you sleep at ease, you wake happily, that's an interesting one. Um, it's uh, something apparently that can carry through the night, and you don't have bad dreams. So there's something about the metta going into our deeper levels of our consciousness. So this is, I think, related to the way, uh, what I was articulating earlier about the way metta practice unifies levels of our being, physical, the verbal, the emotional, the mental. Um, if we uh, do these practices, which tend to have several different components to them, right? Metta often has an, the image and the phrases, or in this case it has the, the body and the uh, imagination of radiating. So there are ways in which these are harmonizing, integrating, um, it's a healing practice. 
Uh, but it does more than that also, actually. Um, so moving on in our list, the next two are about uh, relationship. And it says, humans love you, non-humans love you. So we have to be careful not to um, have ul ulterior motives in doing our metta practice of you know, trying to get things because that's not in line actually with the um, giving quality of, of metta. But it does have this impact because it, it affects by the, you know, you can see from the radiation, it kind of affects the relational field um, to have this quality in the heart. I know somebody who did um, metta practice for a um, a baker <laughs> at a a bakery that she um, would frequent occasion you know f quite often and she had chosen him as her neutral person and you know you're often in the phrases you're asked to choose somebody that you see like the post person or something so she picked this baker and uh, had done lots and lots and lots of meta practice for him through um, through the phrases and one time she was walking by the bakery but she didn't go in she had she wasn't you know, she wasn't going there that day, but he came running out and gave her a hug, <laughs> and she didn't, and and he didn't know why. That was the interesting thing is that he didn't know why. He then um, was surprised that he had had that response. So I don't think she said anything about the meta, but she she wondered. She kind of wondered in her mind if there was some connection there. So who knows? Who knows? Um, the next two are about protection. So it says, deities protect you, and you can't be harmed by fire, poison, or weapons. This one I wouldn't take too literally. Um, uh, don't try the match or something like that to see if you're actually still burned or not. But I think, you know, there's some implication here that, again, this stabilization of the heart, stabilization of the system in a state of goodwill and kindness, um, brings uh, relational benefits. I should say that fire, poison, and um, weapons are uh, metaphors that are used in the suttas for greed, hatred, and delusion. So, you know, we're not uh, in as much danger from, I think, either our own mind states or the mind states of others when we have this um, metta in the heart. And then we have some about... Um, one about the mind, your mind quickly enters immersion. That's this translation. That means concentration. So the mind concentrates more easily from a state of uh, metta, which I find easy to believe because the, some of the states that support um, concentration states are well-being, states of well-being. So happiness, joy, tranquility, these kinds of um, feelings of deep ease. Metta is in the same camp as all of those, and so it supports a, a easily attaining concentration. In fact, metta can be used, is a, in fact a concentration practice. I think I said that yesterday in the answer to one of the questions. Um, so we can definitely use the, the metta as an object of concentration as well as an object of heart cultivation. And then, um, your face is clear and bright, so why go to the spa? You could do metta instead, um, if you're looking for that. But it's, you know, it has to do with the uh, the inner shine, the, the 
inner health that we have through metta. You can see this on retreats. Has anyone noticed who's been on retreat that at the at the end, people's faces are much more radiant uh, than they were at the beginning of the retreat when people would come in kind of concerned with all their things. But then throughout the steadiness of the retreat, even without doing metta practice, um, people's faces tend to brighten and clear because there's less um, complication inside. So this has the same effect. And then uh, we have, you don't feel lost when you die. I've also heard it translated, you die unconfused. So this is a way that the mind can feel um, collected and able to handle even the changes that come with death. You know, even the strange experiences that we'll have in terms of the body disintegrating and the mind uh, becoming uh, different from the connected, differently connected to the body. Metta can help stabilize that process through dying. And then finally, if you don't penetrate any higher, you'll be reborn in a Brahma realm. Okay, so this has to do more with the Buddhist worldview, but um, the Buddha did point out that the Brahma Viharas, right? Brahma Viharas are related to the Brahma uh, gods, um, the deities. So this has a an implication that our mind is in a very exalted state, and if it doesn't actually awaken, at least we'll have a very good heavenly rebirth from uh, the Brahma Viharas. So you can take you can interpret that as you will based on your understanding of that. So I'll read them all again. Um, You can expect 11 benefits from the heart's release by love. You sleep at ease. You wake happily. You don't have bad dreams. Humans love you. Non-humans love you. That's animals, by the way. Uh, Deities protect you. You can't be harmed by fire, poison, or weapons. Your mind quickly enters immersion. Your face is clear and bright. You don't feel lost when you die, and if you don't penetrate any higher, you'll be reborn in a Brahma realm. So, we, we might summarize these somehow as uh, metta is a protection. It's a li- maybe a literal protection in some ways, but it also protects the mind from getting confused, getting upset, getting um, in, entangled in conflicts with other people, uh, getting... Uh, poor sleep, you know, it's a, it's a protection. What are we protected from? Our own mind, actually, the, the difficulties in our own heart that are contributing to these things in our life. So there's just so many um, good things that come about. Now, I'll be clear to, quick to say that this is not the aim of practice. You know, we're not, um, there is more to be done than cleaning up our life in the ways that the Brahmaviharas can do, but they help in that when our life is going more smoothly, our mind is actually in a better state to realize awakening, to realize real insights. That's what we're going to get to on Saturday. So this is kind of the setup. So these heart qualities are cover a huge amount of the middle ground of practice where we align ourselves, attune ourselves, um, harmonize ourselves, and all of those are maybe better words than what the sutta uses, which is purify purify ourselves so we can find ways that those that kind of word works even in our in our life so 
So I just want to finish, um, before we open for Q&A, um, with a quote from Jack Cornfield from A Path with Heart that maybe helps us take some of this right into our daily life as we're practicing this week. In undertaking a spiritual life, what matters is simple. We must make certain that our path is connected with our heart. When we ask, am I following a path with heart? We discover that no one can define for us exactly what our path should be. We must look at the values we have chosen to live by. Where exactly do we put our time, our strength, our creativity, our love? We must look at our life without sentimentality, exaggeration, or idealism. Does what we are choosing reflect what we most deeply value? If we are still and listen deeply, even for a moment, we will know if we are following a path with heart. The things that matter most in our life are not fantastic or grand. They are the moments when we touch one another, when we are there in the most attentive or caring way. These moments of touching and being touched can become a foundation for a path with heart and they take place in the most immediate and direct way. In the stress and complexity of our lives, we may forget our deepest intentions, but when people come to the end of their lives and look back, the questions that they most often ask are not usually, how much is in my bank account? Or how many books did I write? Or what did I build? Or the like. If you have the privilege of being with a person who is conscious at the time of his or her death, we might add, if they'd been doing metta practice and were dying unconfused, you find that the questions such a person asks are very simple. Did I love well? Did I live fully? Did I learn to let go? So these are the questions. Did I love well? Did I live fully? And did I learn to let go? So these heart qualities, interestingly, have a lot to do with letting go. Uh, it's when we let go of our little concerns and our own um, busyness and complexity that we can um, experience the heart qualities. And conversely, the heart qualities are a letting go. They're a giving over of ourselves, so they go together so the wisdom of letting go and the heart qualities are natural, harmonious partners. So these are my thoughts tonight on metta. And why don't we have um, now a chance for some questions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org dot org slash donate.